DraftKingsHelpHouse.org. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Number two, Miller and Condon, 1460 KX and 0106.3 on the FM dials. We take you up until noon. Uh, Scott Dockerman coming up in about 20 minutes. We will uh, talk Hawks with Doc. We'll also talk FCS, which uh, their spring season kicks off this week. And Scott's got a, a good primer, uh, if you will, if you subscribe to The Athletic. Does The Athletic give you a couple of freebies before they make you pull the trigger? Uh, they do have some that they unlock from time to time, either big stories, important stories, and, and the like, or... Just something where they want to get people hooked in. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you get freebies, but if there's some of those unlock stories, you can hit them out that way. Well, it's a good piece. I, I read mm-hmm. it this morning, and uh, I'm ready for FCS football after reading what Scott Dockerman. I'm waiting for the athletic to devote someone to Iowa State athletics. Right. Uh, this football program this just in mm-hmm. uh, has everybody back. They're going to be a factor again in the Big 12 this year. The basketball will return uh, to prominence at some point, you would think. Maybe our next guest. Well, no, he's got a good gig. He's yes. not giving up KASI. Uh, Dave Sproul back from vacation, 1430 on the AM dial. That's where Iowa State plays in Story County. Don't you think it's time, Dave Sproul, that uh, the athletic, which Trent and I both feel isn't going away anytime soon uh, and is going to be at least for the foreseeable future, how a lot of us consume our um, journalism in the world of sports. Isn't it time Iowa State had a uh, had a writer devoted to the Cyclones? It, it would certainly be nice, but I, I kind of wondered how many more subscriptions are you going to get based on Iowa State coverage and whether that's worth the investment. Well, in you're a loyal so base. I, you're a loyal fan base, Dave, <laughs> as you know. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I, I, I tend to think sometimes the media coverage of Iowa State is almost flooded. There are a lot of outlets, yeah. that, you know, dedicate themselves at least in part to the coverage. And uh, but hey, the more the merrier. That's what I say. Uh, no doubt. Well, this uh, the basketball season continues Tough to, to talk about. It is. You know, you're trying to find any kind of positives. That's one thing I brought up to Ken earlier. Steve Prohm, you've got to obviously know him very well, Dave. During this, he is at least on the surface, such a nice guy that it's hard. Maybe it's hard just to kill the guy because of that. From your perspective, is that maybe lead at times where any other coach, we'd be ripping them nonstop and talking about how terrible it is. And because Steve Prohm's pretty nice guy, it's maybe a little bit more difficult to do. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a fan at Hilton Saturday and this is, you know, one of those people who is a definition of loyal son forever true and all that. Right. And he said, you know, I wish I wish he wasn't such a nice guy because yeah. that makes this yeah. a whole lot harder. But he also acknowledged the reality of that this is not going to continue. This this really can't uh, be a, something that Iowa State does going forward. And that's you know stick with a coach who goes more than or a, almost a calendar year without a Big Twelve win, potentially a full season without mm-hmm. a Big Twelve win. That's just that just can't be acceptable uh, for a program like Iowa State. And uh, with each day going along, it 
certainly uh, seems to me it's becoming clearer and clearer that Steve Frome won't be Iowa State's coach next season. No, and the team knows that, Dave, and he knows that, and I think that that's, uh, that goes a long way uh, to what we're seeing. By the way, Boston College just fired uh, their head coach, so Boston College is on the board as they will get out there. Jim Christensen losing his gig uh, at Boston College. I want to ask you about one particular point of the basketball game, and I know you tweeted about it, so you'll know what I'm talking about. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching, and we have praised Rasir Bolt. He's been one of the bright spots on this team mm-hmm. uh, throughout this disappointing season. Um, and it was the timeline violation when no one was guarding him, and I would have thought that somebody on the bench, I mean, were they not paying attention? Were they hanging their heads at that point? It's not like he was guarding. And Dave, it's not like his next step he would have been over the timeline. He wouldn't have been. But how does that happen uh, when you're you know, trailing by Kansas? And was the game out of hand at that point? Maybe. Uh, but my, oh my, that was, uh, it just kind of typifies what this season has all been about, right? It encapsulates it. Yeah, that's, that's why I tweeted about it. It's just it's absolutely astounding that something like that would happen in a basketball game. I would say it probably lost a couple seconds. Maybe they didn't realize it in, in the course of gathering a rebound there. And But Bolton was, I mean, he started almost at the back line there. And he was two steps short of the, the half-court stripe when he when the 10 seconds was up. And it was pretty clear. I mean, there was 20 yeah. seconds on the shot clock. And he was still two steps shy of the of midcourt. And, yeah, there's nothing that encapsulates the, the season for Iowa State. It's just... It's not just about making shots or running plays correctly. It's it's about a lot of those little things where you're just your head doesn't seem to be in the game, or the most basic thing just seems to kind of elude you. Like he probably it seems like two or three seasons now, maybe more. He's lamented the lack of uh, the attention to detail, particularly on defense. Well, it seems like that should be something that you know is fixed by now. And the the kind of things where I remember a game early in the season where two Iowa State players went after the same rebound. Uh, they didn't realize that nobody on the bench or on the court, you know, screamed out, hey, same team. You know, you're supposed to let your guys know you got two guys on the same team going after and they end up knocking the ball out of bounds away from each other. Uh, those are the two plays that will probably be the most outstanding to me for this season because that just uh, epitomizes uh, what's, what's going on with Iowa State basketball this year. Dave, uh, 3 o'clock start tomorrow against Oklahoma State. Ken mentioned it was weather-related just because of the cold weather getting there, but just so odd to see something like this. I guess it's an odd season in general, but 3 o'clock start time, just how different that's going to be. And I would figure also ESPN2 or ESPNU or somebody would want to pick it up. Looks like this is a plus-only broadcast, though. Yeah, that's kind of the way of the world. And the fact that it is midday and there's other programming already you know, scheduled for that part of the day that you really can't preempt. Uh, you could, I suppose, but it would mm-hmm. probably create more hassles than it's worth for ESPN when you can just put it on the ESPN Plus streaming service and let it go. It's not like you're going to draw a whole lot of more eyeballs for an Iowa State-Oklahoma State game at this point, <laughs> yeah. even if Oklahoma State is ranked. Uh, you're not going to get that much more eyeballs, I think, for that than you would for your regular midday programming at ESPN uh, because, uh, you know, th- these just aren't teams with a-, a great deal of television appeal right now. Dave, um, and uh, did you did you uh, partake in the uh, post-game press conference uh, after Saturday's game with with Prome? Yeah, sure did. So did he mention that he wants us to start judging this team differently other than wins and losses? Do you remember that quote? And if so, right. how does, it, it, what, did, what was, there has to be some context in that. Right. Well, I, I don't think he said he wanted to be judged differently. I think some of the comments he made 
we're consistent with comments he made before, but the, what st- stands out about it is that you, he's talking about, uh, you know, competing at a high level and the effort of his team and how happy he was with that and how he can live with the results. Uh, I, I think those are things he has talked about consistently, and I don't think that's a change in the way you evaluate or the way he evaluates his team. It's just that coming out of that, those are the best things that he could say about his team coming out of that game. That should be the baseline. That shouldn't be what you like best about a game. That should be the expectation of what you get game in and game out. And you need to find something better. And if you can't, then that shows where your your program is at. And and it just feels like making a statement after a 14-point home loss to Kansas, an unranked Kansas, that mm-hmm. I can live with the results is uh, just the last thing that, that your fan base wants to hear. And it's the kind of line that tells you, yeah, that's that's why you're not going to be the coach at Iowa State anymore. Jaden Walker, 14 rebounds, also had yeah. a bunch of assists, but turned it over six times. Those are some of the the freshman growing pains are going to be. But as it feels like this thing is slipping away, I expected to see more freshmen than Jaden Walker, but he was the only one that we saw. Any insight into that? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I, I've seen you know fans say in the past, well, if we're going to be bad, let's get the young guys out there, get some experience Mm -hmm. and all that. And I'm not a big fan of that approach because there's also the great potential that you're going to go out there and just destroy a kid's psyche by throwing them out there in the Big 12 when they're just not ready to compete at that level, uh, just in a skills context. And and I think that's probably the case. I mean, when Steve Froman setting his lineup and putting together his game plan and deciding his substitution patterns and all that, he's not thinking about, you know, what's going to be best for this team next season or two years down the road. He's thinking about the best way to win that particular game. And I think that's the way a coach should set their mindset. And, you know, they, they also have to think in a sense in the long term in, in terms of a development for the younger players. And it might not be a situation where it's best to, to put those guys out there right now. So I, I, I don't really have a problem with keeping those freshmen off the bench if he genuinely feels they're not ready or they can't help Iowa State win that particular game. Uh, I'm going to presume that is the case too, just to, to to give coach some credit for you know thinking in the best possible terms of what's best for his players and what's best for you know giving his team the opportunity to win on that day. I do see that the conference is starting to reschedule some of the makeup games uh, that were postponed due to COVID for various uh, Iowa State. K State is not amongst them yet. I saw that uh, West Virginia and Baylor game has been rescheduled, which should be a dinger. Boy, that West Virginia Oklahoma game was uh, terrific. The uh, uh, the double overtime game, um, twenty three turnovers, Dave. I mean, clearly that that can happen. Only seven assists. So when we look at what's left of the schedule that we know of, and I do anticipate K State will be parked somewhere uh, at some point in, in all likelihood. They've got to uh, Oklahoma State. The Texas game is back on the schedule. Oklahoma, Baylor. Those four teams are all ranked, and they're the next four up before TCU um, would make an appearance back here uh, in Ames to end the season. And TCU for the game in Fort Worth. I thought they were. I thought as we well, you were gone last week, but I'm sure you saw it that Iowa State was actually had a chance to win that basketball game. That looks like it's it, right? That it's the TCU game at the end of the regular season if this team is going to find a way to win a game in conference that would appear to be the best opportunity but as you indicated they they absolutely should have won that game down at tcu earlier and there's no guarantee i mean you don't get a lot of home court advantage right now without fans in the stands so i'm not sure if that's something you can count on making a difference in in the rematch i mean maybe you know if 
you you got to hope that a Texas or an Oklahoma maybe has a really bad night, or maybe Oklahoma State tomorrow has just has a bad day, and they're all distracted by the bad weather down there that they're not used to. But I I will say can handle that in stride. I don't know. You, you got to at this point, you got to hope that one of those opponents has a really bad day. And even when we're talking about TCU, you got to hope they have a bad day, and that Iowa State plays one of their best games of the season, if not their best, absolute best game of the season, in order to just believe you can have a chance to win those games because it. I look at that schedule, yeah, I'm not very optimistic that there are any uh, wins left out there for Iowa State right now. Doesn't look it. So let's end on a positive note. The uh, Iowa State, their football schedule came out uh, whilst you were gone. Uh, anything jump off uh, with you either from a, uh, a positive or from a disappointing that that game scheduled there? That doesn't make any sense. Did you, uh, did you have any thoughts on, the, uh, on Iowa State's Big 12 uh, slate for 2021? Well, the first thing I looked for was when does Iowa State play Oklahoma? That's going to be yeah. a pretty huge game. And yeah. It's nifty. I think it's nice that they did push it kind of late to the season, mm-hmm. uh, actually second to last week of the regular season on November 20th. Uh, that should be a big game if everything goes according to plan for, for both programs. And it uh, should be a, a really fun matchup by the time you get there and met, might see each other a few weeks later in the Big 12 championship game again. Uh, it's going to be, I think, fun to see Texas coming to uh, Ames in November. I think the road trip to West Virginia could get really interesting. It's just kind of sandwiched in there. Yep. They're in the middle of the stretch. I mean, the, the bye comes kind of early on October 9th. That's the, the weekend they have off. But then it's just week after week you're playing. And then, you know, that West Virginia game is kind of tucked in there between Oklahoma State and West Virginia, or excuse me, West, Oklahoma State and Texas. And West Virginia, you know, they're going to, they played so tough last year for almost all their games. They didn't play very tough against Iowa State, obviously. But I, I was really impressed by the way they just came out and competed in every game they played last season. At, except Iowa State. Uh, so I think that's going to be a really interesting um, uh, matchup when that comes around, and depending on how, you know, the, the health of those teams and how everything plays out. But the, and it'll also be interesting to see, you know, the season opener at, or the Big 12 opener at Baylor, September 25th. The potential for that game to have another really, really hot yeah. atmosphere yeah. like you saw a couple weeks ago, or a couple years ago down there. So that, that'll be an interesting matchup as well. But uh, obviously, I have November 20th circled on my calendar. Big game down in Norman with Oklahoma. Uh, that you know very well could decide uh, you know who's the best team at least in the regular season in the Big 12. I know a lot of Cyclone fans have September 18th circled, and that's the trip to Vegas to take on <laughs> UNLV the week after Cyhawk. Uh, I, I'm sure as you uh, you know make your way through, and I guess it's it's not you don't bump into as many people as you once did during this, but. The number of Cyclone fans that are going to be packing airplanes to get to Vegas to watch UNLV uh, on that weekend, it's its going to be off the charts, Dave. I, I absolutely agree. And I know we have gambling options now more widely available in the state of Iowa, but there's nothing like the glitz and glamour. No, there isn't. Beautiful Las Vegas. And, and you know, you got that grand, big, huge new NFL stadium yep. uh, that they're going to play that game in. And uh, there's a lot of incentive for Iowa State to go out there and watch that. You know, at least probably not going to be very good, so you can just enjoy a nice, easy victory, presumably. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, have a nice little road trip to the desert in the late fall. We will uh, recap the week tomorrow at Oklahoma State, Thursday, home to Texas uh, with you on Friday. Glad you're back, Dave Sproul. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Dave Sproul, KASI, in Ames 1430. On the AM dial. So one thing I'm wondering about is Iowa State, if the inevitable happens and Steve Prohm is let go, mm-hmm. this will be the first coaching surf, search that we've seen in our state at this level since the ability for guys to transfer became a lot easier. Oh, yeah. A lot easier. Mm-hmm. And you look at the returning roster, 
in the past, you know, initially, oh, you're going to lose four, four, five, six guys, and usually it was a couple. Right. This is different. Yeah. Whoever this new, whoever the new coach is, Trent, it's a great point. Better be able to bring some dudes with them because you want Rasir Bolton back next yes, year. Yes, hell yeah, in a huge, huge yeah. way. You want Javon Johnson back, uh-huh. and you want those freshmen probably all to stick around. Maybe most importantly, the point guard from Milwaukee committed. Mm-hmm. You want him because yep. this team desperately needs a point guard. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that component, not just the recruiting you normally do, but keeping these guys around and how much more difficult that'll be for a new coach. It's not the wild, wild west, but it's getting there. No, you you have to bring some people with yeah. you. I, just how different this roster very well could it's look. It's an excellent point. It's 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 all brand new. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a good thing, by the way. For the guy, for the kids. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We'll take our time out. We'll come back with Scott Dockerman. It's time for another $1,000 slam dunk. I never thought about that, Trent. That's very. That's a good point. Uh, text the keyword EASY to 200-200 right now. It's your chance at $1,000. EASY to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right. We will talk Iowa and FCS with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. When we come back, Miller and Condon on 1460 KX. And Owen 106. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial. It's uh, about 11.30 here on a Monday as we take you up towards the top of the hour. Well, as we mentioned on the program, if you're a fan of the Panthers, if you're jonesing for some more college football, you're in luck. And if you subscribe to The Athletic, our next guest, Scott Dockerman, not only will we talk Hawks with Doc, we'll talk a little FCS as he uh, put together a terrific primer that uh, dropped this morning at The Athletic. Doc, Trenton, Ken... Uh, yes, sir. Uh, breaking news, you, you and got? I announcing TV options for four home games, something we were just talking about a little bit earlier. Shed some light on Friday for All me. All right, here we go. Season opener scheduled for Friday, February 19th against South Dakota State. Will be available in the Des Moines market on Channel 23, KCWI. For friends over on the east side of the state, uh, you can also find that in the Davenport market. Cedar Rapids market has it. All kinds of places. And also NBC Sports Chicago. How about oh, fantastic. That? Oh, it's so all coming Friday up So my Friday night is set. So have the, others, <laughs> yeah, have the others come up for the Panthers? Or? Uh, those are four home games they have listed here. Gotcha. Yep. But we'll get TV on those, too. Mm-hmm. Bang. Hello, Scott Dockerman. That's good news. I enjoyed your primer. We've been promoting it all morning long, especially for those that want more football. You're a Panther fan. Uh, Doc, uh, that was a great idea, whoever put it in your head or if you came up with it on your own. Uh, it just gives us, um, you know, takes us kind of, reminds us some things that we might have forgotten here in the throes of basketball season. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and thanks for having me on. And it was, to put it together, it's a lot more work than normal simply because of the staggered number of games and starts and who's opting out, which teams and, and all of that, you know, normally you have your schedule set and they're all pretty universal, but, but I think, uh, you know, what you, you do when you look deeper into the FCS and you remember, Oh, wow. You know, Southern and Grambling, the battle of the bands, what a terrific, yeah. <laughs> you know, situation that is. Then you look at, you know, Lafayette Lehigh and then the Valley. I mean, I consider the Valley kind of the SEC of, of, um, you know, of FCS, and it's just, you know, there's some amazing games going on there, and 
I have the feeling that once we get a couple into this a couple of weeks, that uh, people will start to gravitate towards FCS football on television. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, obviously Vegas will. And I, I think what we'll see is that people, instead of they'll watch their favorite basketball team, and then once you get into March Madness, they'll see off on that. But and other than that, I think they're going to be interested in some of these games. Well, of course, because of proximity, you know a lot about you and I and, and just some of the overflow you get there in eastern Iowa. How good is this Panthers team? I know back last summer when it looked like maybe we were going to have a regular season during the fall for the FCS. I saw them as high as number two in a couple of the rankings. They were pretty much consensus, I think, top five across the land. But there's guys opting out. What do you know about this year's spring Panther football team? Yeah, I'm I'm just starting to really dive into the Panthers. And, I mean, obviously a quarterback, you know, all the Iowa State fans saw that. A little over a year ago was uh, Will McLean or whatever. Oh, wow. It was just mm-hmm. an amazing game from Lincoln, right? Double over, yeah, Des Moines Lincoln. Yep. What's that? From Des Moines Lincoln. Yeah, Des Moines yep. Lincoln. Yep. Right. Yeah, he was uh, outstanding. He's going to be a real difficult player for anybody to defend against. And you know, I, I think what I find most fascinating and is that each of the the best of the Valley teams lost some players that have declared early yep. for the draft or have left and. And so you don't really know how good they're going to be. I mean, you've got Trey Lance, of course, going to be a high first-round pick for North Dakota State. Kate Johnson, whose younger brother Keegan just uh, you know started at Iowa, you know he's going to be a, a probably at least a third-rounder for South Dakota State. And you look over at I and Northern Iowa, three big pieces left: uh, Ellerson mm-hmm. Smith and Spencer Brown, and then Illinois State with Romeo McKnight on the outside going pro. I mean, and well, he went to Charlotte anyway and played last fall. So I mean, there's really a lot of questions. And I'm not sure we all know, but I think Friday night, if you want to have a, a great matchup, I mean, <laughs> you don't get much better than South Dakota State and Northern Iowa to start things off. And uh, the Valley was smart. Putting a game like that early, it's going to grab everybody's attention. And uh, I think at some point we're going to start seeing some of the national networks going, you know, we got to have some of these games on because people really would rather watch this than, than probably – lower-level basketball is my guess. I'm with you, Doc. And you know what? We, we've seen football leagues come and go, the, you know, try to uh, compete professional leagues. This is different. Uh, this is, um, you know, in a lot of people's case here in Central I, they, they are Panther alums. And for that reason, I think a lot of people are going to watch. I, I really mean that. I mean, I, I know going into, you know, some of those spring leads in the pros, I was all into it for the first week. Yes, I'm absolutely going to watch. And then I never turn it on again. Uh, that won't be the case here. I, I, this has got a chance. And I'm with you that uh, certainly fingers crossed that some of the big networks pick it up. Well, let's move on, Doc, uh, and let's go to college basketball. And, boy, oh, boy, you've covered a lot of games over in East Lansing uh, when you were at the Gazette uh, in your in your career following the Hawkeyes uh, throughout the Big Ten season. Uh, this, was, uh, this was one that was a long time coming. And to see that Luca Garza only gets eight and Iowa beats Sparty by 30, uh, that's kind of a head scratcher. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, who would have guessed that, right? Uh, I've seen a lot of beatdowns over there, and and this was the, completely in reverse, a 30-point win. I mean, the, the previous high for Iowa was 18 points. And, uh, you know, and I remember, what was it, uh, five, six years ago when Iowa was able to take care of business there. And uh, that was a real surprise. This one wasn't a surprise Iowa won or even won decisively but by 30 uh, nobody would have guessed that so but that's what you get when everybody clamps down on Luca Garza 
And if everybody, if the other players could shoot from the outside, I mean, if you get Connor McCaffrey shoot four three pointers, um, you're going to be a very dangerous team. And I think that's what what we saw. I mean, eight three pointers in the first half. There was just no way Michigan State could contain that kind of offense. And and really, what we've seen over the last week or so is a much better defense from the Hawkeyes. And um, if they play this type of defense and their offense is moving at the ball the way it has over the last week, I mean, they are is still one of the best teams in the country. So, um, you know, last week we were talking about Fran Fade. This week that probably refers to somebody's haircut. So, uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens the rest of the way. <laughs> it's uh, going to be a difficult schedule the rest of the way. Starts with Wisconsin coming up on Thursday night. I want to get your perspective on Joe Wieskamp. We know the talent has always been there. This is an incredibly talented guy. We hear from national broadcasters he's going to play in the league because of his size mm-hmm. and that shooting ability. But it just feels like over the last week, week and a half, he's been asserting himself that much more and understanding if I was going to hit the heights that a lot of people think they can, Joe Wieskamp has to be a big part of it. What have you seen from Joe and what's different from the guy that a lot of times he could play a good half but then would fade away. It's been complete games from him. Yeah, good observation, Trent. I would really say he reminds me in mindset and ability, just a little bit different height. You know, a lot like Jared Utah that way, where he could Mm -hmm. just dominate certain games and then just kind of disappear. And you wonder, what is it? And a lot of times I wonder if it's confidence with him, the way it kind of was with with Jared Utah from time to time, where he just kind of wane and not really, you know, put that kind of, uh, you know, swagger on the floor and and i think what it shows is when he is feeling it he's as dangerous as anybody in the league he's in that top five category i mean nobody's with garza and probably Desumu from uh from illinois but the rest of them i mean he's as good as anybody else and so when he is moving and shooting like that and uh, everybody has to be cognizant of him it just helps everybody and you know even a game where they didn't have cj frederick who i'd say also has a similar impact um, Joe Wieskamp can take over games, and he's got the length, the, the build. He can play defense, and he can definitely shoot. And when he's being aggressive, um, he's he's one of the better players in the country, and I think that's what we've seen the last few days or games. And if this continues and he takes this search forward, Iowa's going to be a tough out. They've got a tough schedule, but you know what? Iowa's a tough out. So I, I think that's going to be really fascinating to see how this team grows because once Wieskamp moves forward and people start shifting more of their attention there, then you've got Luca Garza and, 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 you know, we're not going to see very many, if any more eight point efforts from him. No, I wouldn't ex- expect doc. Uh, you know, what are you starting to see? Cause Trent and I both feel this way. I'm anxious to pick your brain. You know, when you're reading your national uh, college basketball guys, it seems as though the foregone conclusion that Luke is going to be the Big Ten Player of the Year and the Wooden Award winner, that was, that, that was, he was home free at the end of January. But uh, we'll use DeSomu, who's uh, been playing out of his mind. That game on Friday night, he was solely responsible for the comeback against a bad Nebraska team. But yet there he was. This is going to be a race, Doc, I think. Do you see it that way? Uh, because there's a lot of, I'm not um, guards of fatigue amongst national guys, or maybe they're trying to create a story. I'd like to get your thought on that. Uh, if they're trying to make this more of a race than than it really is, a lot of love, and rightly so, for Ayo DeSomu, uh, what he's doing. It's interesting when you get into this uh, this part of the debate of, of, as far as player of the year goes. It's the same way in football. You'll have your front runners, and then, then you just start to 
get fatigued, as you mentioned, or just start overlooking their accomplishments because you expect it. But I think in, in Luca Garza's case, if Iowa continues to trend in this way, let's say, you know, out of their six, final six games, counting whenever the Nebraska game gets replayed, that Iowa wins five of them, then I think it's a lock. Then, I, you know, then they're going to be a solid top ten team, and you can't really look the other way. But, you know, when Iowa was losing four out of five, they lose to Indiana twice, then his impact is minimized. And then you look at that team, and then what? where does the end result? I mean, you know, right now in, in the league, you know, nine and five, if they end up 12 and eight, you know, do, do people look at it and go, you know what, we need a player on a top five, top eight team to, to really be the player of the year. He could be a first-team All-American, maybe the Big Ten player of the year, but you know, the best player in the country, you know, sometimes you elevate your team better. So I think that's what we'll see. It, it, if it's if all things are equal, if Iowa ends up second or third in the Big Ten and he's uh, leads the country in scoring like he has been, then I think he's, he's a lock for that award. But if Iowa falls off and, uh, you know, the Fran fade takes place or if it, you know, just simply is, a, is an average finish, then I think he's probably – going to lose a lot of votes when it comes to those national awards. C.J. Frederick doesn't play against Michigan State. They do have a gap here as it's a Thursday game against the Badgers this week. Would you, not knowing the medicals, of course, of this, but if it is maybe a week, even two off, knowing long-term that this team is going to hit those heights, the regular season title, it's off the floor. But mm-hmm. rest him even more and hope that that's enough to get him at least closer to right. Are you just out there, if the doctors say play him, just try them every time you can get them out there on the floor. It's a tough thing because you're talking about plantar fasciitis, mm-hmm. or you know, and that's really tough to, to figure out. I mean, you know, anybody that's had it, that's a runner. I mean, it's excruciatingly painful sometimes. Then it's other times it's tolerable. And he's a very competitive player, as, as feisty as any player on the team. So he wants to play. So unless it is to the point where he cannot run up and down the floor, he wants to play. And I don't know that you can hurt it that much more maybe you can a little bit but so i think it's gonna it's truly a day-to-day thing so if he feels like thursday morning when they're in madison wisconsin that hey i i think i could play through this and he goes through the shoot around and it feels all right he's gonna play but if it's gonna hurt the team then i think it's probably pulling back and it makes sense you want him later but then do you uh do you hurt yourself in the, in the process if he can play so i don't know that it could get a whole lot worse um, I don't know that they'll have to shut him down for good if it if something goes takes a turn here. I think it's it's kind of like what Fran McCaffrey said. It's an every every day thing. You know, you'll get a different answer. Um, one more basketball out of, out of me. Maybe it's just an observation. I didn't. We didn't talk about this, and I just realized, uh, fellas, with Wisconsin beating Michigan, or other way around, Michigan beating Wisconsin yesterday. That's I was fourth, so that double bye is in yeah, play right yeah. now, which for C.J. Frederick would be big. So obviously a lot to play for that uh, getting that double bye. So, Doc, are you done with basketball, Trent? Yeah. Uh, let's go to football then, Doc. Just a couple of things. Start with Chris Doyle. Uh, no surprise that there, that there was an about-face late in the week uh, when Urban Meyer made the announcement uh, that Doyle is going to be a part of his staff. The blowback was immediate, and it was loud. Um, there's always there's a group of folks out there that truly believe in second chances. I'm all for that. Uh, this just seems like it's going to be a while, does it not, before that second chance comes his way? Yeah, it, it does look that way, and I think there was a way that it could have happened, uh, but it didn't happen that way. I mean, really, 
what you have to do is, you know, whether it, you, you believe in it or not, you're going to have to have some sort of um, public re- repentance. And there was none of that, you know, that, that, that that's the only way that this could have happened and without any kind of blowback and just to kind of announce it. And, you know, that's very collegiate of uh, Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. like everybody would get feisty for a minute or, or a week. And then it moves on, and you move on. That's not the way it works with the NFL. That's not the way it works with grown men versus, you know, men or boys becoming men. I mean, it's just you have to work with different people. And, and you know, Chris Doyle, you know, whatever the, the realm of, you know, he was horrible versus he was misunderstood. I mean, everybody falls in the middle there, you know, some on somewhere on that scale. He he left the University of Iowa. There was a separation agreement for based on his past actions, and that should have been. And that was, I mean, it is an incredibly difficult situation. It's still at Iowa associated with him, and then in the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that was really the only path that, that Jacksonville could take when the heat was this intense. And you know, nobody disagrees with what Chris Doyle can do for athletes. However, um, his track record is is difficult enough at, at Iowa that it gave too many people pause and going forward it's going to be tough for them to to you know without him coming out publicly and admitting his past wrongs or wrongdoings i I just don't see a path forward for him in that kind of role can still be a consultant can still probably make good money doing that but in that kind of role just not going to happen final thing for me uh more coaches on the move he had a really good article on tim polishek making the way up to wyoming yes really enjoyed uh just Seems like a guy that would be fun to sit mm-hmm. down and have a beer with uh, when we get back to normal and we get some shots in the arm, but <laughs> just seems like a good dude, Doc. He is, yeah. He's salt of the earth. And, you know, he uh, literally started on the ground floor, sleeping on the floor or on couches <laughs> um, to get in this business. And, yeah, he's kind of rough and gruff, and he, he knows football really well, and he did a really good job for Iowa as an offensive line coach. Never done it, did it before, you know, which is – for some people, could be incredibly intimidating to say, "Okay, I'm going to try to coach offensive line with the Ferences there." I mean, it just doesn't. It's not an easy task. Well, he did it and did a nice job, and now he's going off to Wyoming. I think you're going to see him in this part of the country again at some time soon. You know, as either an offensive coordinator or you know, maybe even a head coach at one of the schools in this region. And so, uh, you know, great guy had a lot of good things to say. Uh, it's interesting stories. And then also, uh, you know, just kind of what's left over for yep. Iowa, you know, with Bart Kalliberger, you know, retiring, you know, there's some questions on what's going to happen there. And he seemed to, you know, really think that the holdovers are going to grow pretty quickly in that in, the, in those roles. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was it was really interesting to, to be able to have a, you know, an hour-long conversation with him about what's next in his career. Yeah, and what's next in the offensive line uh, at Iowa. I thought that was a great scouting report that uh, he was able to provide for you. Not that he's going to rip on any of his guys, but uh, he, he did. Uh, it was really well done, Scott. I'm glad Trent brought that up. Uh, Scott Darkman, you have a good week at The Athletic. You always do. We enjoy your stuff. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Doc. All right, thanks guys for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman, as uh, we talk a little Iowa. That was a, that was a really good read. Mm-hmm. Fun, yes, absolutely. Uh, and great news that um, that the Panthers are going to be on TV, and Gary Rhyme is going to join us tomorrow morning at ten twenty-five. So, kind of to put a bow on all of this, mm-hmm. when we were talking about Greg Marshall, yes, and we we're talking about Chris Doyle, are they kind of in the same vein a little bit? I think so. It's going to be hard for Marshall to get another gig. Well. 
And I think the part that Rob Doster, you can catch that podcast up on our podcast page earlier in the program today, brought up is pertinent. What Wichita State former player came to his defense? (laughs) There wasn't one. Nobody. Right. When you're doing the vetting that you need to do to bring in this guy, it's probably going to be difficult to Mm -hmm. get a whole lot of those, yeah, you know, he was tough, but. Yeah. And there's not those stories out there. Nope. Uh, perhaps untouchable. It might be, certainly for a while. Anyways, we'll come back, finish out the program. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 1 on KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Tell him Trent Condon sent you. That's right. <laughs> oh, my. Anyways, final couple of minutes uh, of a Monday, a President's Day Monday at that. Uh, not the shiniest slate of games tonight. I thought there was a Big 12 game. But well, it's I'm, canceled. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, well, then there it goes. Uh, there's one good game. ACC's got Virginia, I want to say Florida State. It is, yep, in Tallahassee. And that's early. Six o'clock. I like the Seminoles. Okay. Not love, like. You, do, you, do you have a play tonight? That's, There's not enough games there to, isn't. to find one. There's supposed to be Baylor at West Virginia tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah. How fun would that no, have been? Oh, would have been a blast. Would have been a blast. Boy, the Big 12, they, uh, they've had some, they had some games. So the Big 10. That mm-hmm. Michigan-Wisconsin game was, uh, that was fantastic. I thought I was home free. I was on the Badgers. Oh, were you? Yeah. At the, at the end of the first half, you Coasting certainly felt good. It. No, no, no. OU no. Uh, going, to, uh, going to Morgantown and picking off the Mountaineers that they, the way they did. How good is this Oklahoma team? Really good. With Reeves and when he's playing the way he is, they're good. Because, you know, Manic was such a big part early in his uh-huh. career. Now he's he's just a piece. Yep. But he's not as, I don't know, important, if you will, for well, him to go. There's Baylor, and then there's Massive Gap. Yes. But if you're trying to figure out who's the second best team, you can put a number of them in the hat. West Virginia's in the hat. Uh, I think Texas Tech is in the hat. Oklahoma's clearly in the hat. Don't you? Yes. Who are we missing? Uh, Texas, probably. What about Kansas? You have to put them there. In in terms of record right now. Did they get ranked? Did the rankings come out? Uh, they'll be they coming out any minute. Yeah. Okay. It's right around noontime. I've got to think they're going to find a way back I think into so, the yeah. top 25. And they're still they're 15 and 7 and 9 and 5 in the conference. Mm-hmm. And the second best conference in the country. Mm-hmm. That's a ranked team. But it's because it's Kansas. Right. It's not what you're used to. Yeah. Why they probably aren't there. And when people look at it and they see their body of work from this past week, yeah, come on. They beat Iowa State twice. <laughs> Uh, I would say it was way better Saturday than it was. They were. Now, the bar wasn't set very high, to be fair. Uh, but they had a nice win earlier, did they not, in the week? Oklahoma State, maybe? Kansas, I'm talking about. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, it was Oklahoma State. Yeah. Last Monday. Was so it last a big Monday. Monday? Okay, well, we're out of time. Murph and Andy slide in here at two again. Gary Ryman, if you're a Panther fan, we'll do football with Ryan basketball, but a lot of football with Gary Ryman tomorrow at 1025. Uh, Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4, Iowa State Coaches Show tonight at 6.30. We're Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3.